and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw Another Booth Edition I have Cody here. Cody, what's going on? How we doing, buddy? Happy to be in these uh, tight confines of the booth with you. That's right. Of course, shout out and thank you to Mr. Jeezy. Uh, we want to get off to a good start here. And uh, yeah, I'm Neil. I forgot to uh, introduce myself. You know what I didn't do on the ESPN Plus Megacast? I wanted to do the Joe Buck. You know, like, <laughs> I'm Neil Schuster. He's Tron Carter. And I, I just didn't get a chance to... Uh, do that always always want what a thrill that would have been so maybe next time if we uh get the fired up again you didn't get it in but i think overall it went amazing don't worry about that there's always there, who knows maybe there's a next time maybe there's not but i think you did a phenomenal job listen when they when they uh got producers in your ear you can't see for the first 10 minutes you can't see the screen <laughs> a lot of uh overcoming some some technical challenges and doing it live but a uh, good experience for all of us but first the trap draw today is presented by Athletic Greens uh, and their nutritional drink, AG1. I take AG1 daily, and I gave AG1 a try because uh, I was training for that half marathon, which I need to get back into some training. But I've continued taking it, and I kind of feel some sustained energy, and I kind of get the day off on a, on a healthy start, which is good. So I take it in the morning. My wife and I mix it with a cold glass of water, and it's kind of become a bit of a morning ritual for us, which is nice. AG1 and then coffee, which is good. Um, with, uh, every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high quality ingredients to give me key daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. Cody, I know you're a big gut health guy. Yeah. That sounds like a good number too. 75 key ingredients. I like that. Yeah, gut health always good. It's simple. It's just a scoop. It's some water mix it up and basically just chug it. Um, that's kind of my, uh, that's my ritual at least. Uh, it also costs less than $3 a day, which is something that I appreciate. Um, and it kind of feels like you're, you're getting a head start and uh, getting into a good habit. If you can get off the day off to a good start, you know, I've been doing my, my daily five minute journal. I almost feel like AG one is the, uh, you know, dietary version of that. Do it early, do it often people. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then athletic greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash trap draw. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash trap draw. Check it out. Cody, what's been going on since the last time we caught up? It's been about, what, a month? Yeah, a little over a month. We It's been busy. We've had a lot going on. And I will say, too, this here podcast, we've been on the forefront of gut health and vitamins and nutrients talk like Going back years now, I mean, I've been hounding you guys to take your daily supplements, make sure that your B's and your C's and your D's are taken care of. And I'm happy that we got AG1 on board, man. That's the good stuff. We're you know, you, you have been a uh, an evangelist for uh, for the vitamin regimen, especially on Taurus sauce. Absolutely. It feels like, feels like a, a good holdover from your Army days. Yes, one of the best ones outside of, uh, you know, if you're going to accomplish one thing in the day, make sure it's uh, making your bed when you wake up because, you, you know, the worst thing ever is going back and getting ready to go to bed and just being a pile of shit that you're stepping into. You really feel that way? 
I honestly feel like if you are going to set your day off right in whatever you're going to do, this world is full of people who procrastinate. They come up with any little excuse to push something down the road. I truly believe that if you're going to set your day up for success, you have to do it with accomplishing one task at a time. And the very first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning is you get out of bed and you make that bed. Do you make it immediately or do you go? Immediately. Yari and I, we literally climb like two birds separating both opposite sides of the bed. And we literally pull sheets, pull duvet, throw pillows, got new pillows back on, chop them up, you know, do a quick little uh, uh, pull tight on both ends. Make sure everything's looking dialed and uh, we're good to go. You got to, if you're going to start your day off, you got to accomplish something. And the easiest thing you can possibly do is make that bet. God, my wife's a, a big believer in that. I, I can't say that I feel the same way when she's out of town. Sometimes I'll just, I, I don't move the sheets much when I, when I sleep. So sometimes I'm good just like crawling right back into my spot that I, that I had formed from the night before. Nasty. It's nasty. If you think about the bed in general, it's disgusting. You spend sure. usually, most people spend, you know, anywhere from six to nine hours a day in it sweating. And it's like, you, you know, when you talk and hear stories of people, how infrequently they wash and launder, like their overall, the between pillowcases that you're slobbering on and everything and sheets that who knows what fluids people, most people have going on in there. Like it's, it's bad. You got dogs, cats involved in it. Food for some? No, no eating in bed for me. Really good with no phone in bed for me. I wear a shirt to bed because I do have some glandular issues at night, but I feel like the uh, the shirt helps me prevent this this you know any any type of uh, sweaty sheets situations. But you know what? Maybe I need to embrace the making the bed. We'll check in on that next month. All right. Carson makes bed every morning, and sometimes I help her. I, I can't stand the throw pillows, though. It just slows down the process. They're so pointless. Yeah, it's too much shit. I agree with you on that. And we this household has gotten a lot better. I think early on, it's like a new wives thing where they're like, oh, my God, like, I got to have all these pillows. Now we're down to, like, four pillows. We have two pillows that we sleep with and two pillows that look fancy that we throw on, you know, in front of the other ones and call it a day. Well, we're but I've also on. realized that, it, it, you know, and who am I to judge? Uh, it brings my wife a lot of joy to have those pillows. I also, uh, a little hint for you. Yara and I, probably 10 years ago or something like that, you know, you go to like nice hotels and, and you're like, huh, like everything just feels more luxurious. Sure. It, it's the the duvets, the, the sheets, the thread counts. You know, you feel, I don't know how they do it or, or how they really accomplish it, but all the way down to like, you know, chocolates or anything that they put in the rooms well uh we went probably 10 years ago uh, we were down in costa rica and we stayed at this very nice place nightly turndown service we would go back after dinner and drinks and we'd go back to the room and i remember walking into the room and like going and uh changing and, and showering and then getting in bed and sitting there and smelling the pillow it's it was not like overpowering like giving me a headache but i was like holy shit this is smells amazing and they what they did was during turndown they would put like this had a like a lavender mist that they sprayed over the pillow and i was like holy shit it stuck with me for a long long time and yari commented on it and she said that's the best best sleep i've ever had so probably for the last 10 years 
I've been purchasing this lavender mist from this random ass company in Costa Rica and having it sent to my house. It comes every six months and uh, they send me a big old jug and I just refill the little spray bottle that I have and I give her her lavender mist on her pillow every single night. You do it at night, not, not when you're making the bed in the morning. No, no, at night. So like when we come in, I'm an, I'm a night shower guy. I sure. know that's another conversation, but I, I, again, I feel like you move around so much during the day that I just, my, my brain cannot comprehend people who get into bed dirty again, going back to a dirty bed and then like showering in the morning. And that's fine. I love a good morning shower too. Sometimes I do both and maybe that's a water. Hey, listen, consumption let, me, issue. let me let you know. That's, that makes two of us, bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like double I shower get, guy, <laughs> if I'm going to shower, I have to shower before I get into bed. So what we do is that, you know, we're done watching TV or whatever else we go in and, and start our showers. I'll do like our, it's not a turn down, but like our <laughs> nightly turn down and give her pillow, give her pillow, her mist and uh, go from there. And I don't know if she realizes, I know she says something every once in a while, like, oh yeah, like this is amazing. But it's just something that stuck with us for a long time. And I hope that uh, the little things like that for your partner go a long way. Yeah. I might have to get the name of this, uh, this lavender mist. We might have to put it in the show notes here. Oh yeah. That's, it's, it's that's great. good stuff. I like, that. that's a good ritual. I like that. Yeah. I'm always looking for little things, you know, that she says that she likes and enjoys that aren't like, you know, I'm not looking for like present ideas or anything else like that, but what little things that I could have add to her normal everyday life that makes her life either a little bit easier, or a little bit more enjoyable because she gives a ton between putting up with my bullshit, the kids, everything she, she runs, she's the CEO of this operation and uh, the little things that you can do. Going back to like, you know, dating your wife and trying to make sure that she's well taken care of and feels as special as uh, as she can be. It goes it goes a long way. Listen, I, I could I could probably use a little of that. It was Carson's birthday yesterday. And listen, I, I kind of flipped it at the bottom. Oh, no. <laughs> Everything's fine. No, you know, totally good. Uh, I asked for weeks. I've kind of gotten into like, you know what? I'm Tell me what you want. I want to get you something that you want because I've had some some false starts here over the last couple of years of just like thinking I had the perfect gift and it's not a good example. I, I, this, uh, let me tell you, this is what being 33 is. I, I spent hours researching a new vacuum to, you know, the dog we've declared war on the dog hairs. And, uh, listen, I went with a high end Dyson V 15. It's got the freaking laser dust identifier. I mean, the thing is <laughs> fucking awesome. I love it. It's, it's in my room. I got it like hanging like an artifact on my wall. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought like, Hey, Carson's been wanting a vacuum. She likes the vacuum. She's, I was like, Hey, maybe this would be a good, or I kind of suggested like, Hey, I was thinking I was going to get this vacuum as part of your birthday present. Oh man, that was a horrible suggestion. Vacuums are not <laughs> birthday presents. Now I do want to say though, we, I was way, way to make the girl feel special. No, this was, this was a month ago. So I was like, Hey, like, you know, cause it's not, <laughs> I mean, I'm you spending a lot of money on a fucking vacuum. Yeah, right? So sure. like. And I think a functional gift, like that's something, maybe it's my love language. That's what I'm getting, getting joy out of. Yep. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. That's fine. Well, like, you know, let me know what you need. But I want, I want this stated for the record. I was doing the dishes and I got a notification that the package was delivered. And I said, Hey, Carson, there's a, there's a package downstairs. Do you want to, you want to go get it? And she, the, the reaction was priceless. It was, oh, is it? is it the Dyson? Is it, is it the vacuum? Like, I, I don't think I've ever oh. seen her as excited about a package in our, you know, 
time together. And so I said, I just want the record to show that like, I, I don't think any gift I've ever gotten you has gotten you this <laughs> excited to go open the box. It was like Christmas morning. But because I guess, you know, it's like the father of the bride thing, like, you know, got me a fucking blender, you know, like appliance and <laughs> right. gifts. I get that as society has deemed that I would like to revisit that norm though, because I, I want to say that the look on her face told me that that was a good gift. So listen, we, we, we put together some things, some candles, some, a nice dinner. Like Whoa. Birthdays. Ro birthday Romance. Got a, got a nice map of Argentina, call back to our honeymoon. So like we, we kind of, we're able to put it all together. But what I need to start doing is those little things you're talking about and almost maybe just keeping a note on my phone of like, you hear something like, okay, there's a, there's an idea, like an ongoing list of potential, not just birthday gift ideas, but just like little things that are like, yeah, your special gift. Yes, exactly. I'll help, so, I'll help you out a little bit here. This is a, a, a good thing for everybody listening for the, their partner in their life. Women love creams. They swear by their hand creams. If you go look in their purses, you go to their desk, whatever, they, they're always on these hand creams. And usually they all are obsessed with like this one brand that at some point in time was introduced in their lives, whether it's at a spa or from a girlfriend or whatever else like that. Hand creams are the way to go. Watch her patterns and her behaviors. I guarantee you there's little things that she does routinely. Chapstick, hand cream, sunscreen, you name it. That just having that little extra bottle, the refill bottle or anything else, just, oh, hey, I got this for you. It's in the drawer whenever you, whenever you run out goes so far. It's almost like the ultimate cheat code. Yeah, because uh, I anytime I think about getting a gift related to that, I'm, I'm going to pick the wrong thing and it's going to get returned. But basically what you're saying is just get the refill. Yeah, we think way too much into it. We're like, oh my God, like we got to get this big gift. Um, am I going to get her a new, uh, is it jewelry, which nobody's going to turn down jewelry. But then I'm like, oh, clothes. Does she always, then I got to worry about sizes and like all this other stuff. And is it cool? Is it not cool? What not? No. I'm going to follow her habits and make sure that she she's already telling me what she likes and what she enjoys. You just got to make sure it's available there for her. All right. Well, listen, we, we got out of trouble this year, but we need to we need to excel a little bit better in this area. I want to dig into this a little bit. Are you are you a candle candle guy like you out there lighting this stuff? Or you got the uh, the battery candles no, no. like what's the, what's your candle? Situation? I went down the street. There's a place that cares like Brooklyn Candle Co. And they got some great smell. I got sounds very expensive, by the way. It was like anytime you put Brooklyn candle, yeah. I mean, whatever. It, the candle probably costs like twenty five bucks. I got two of them. I got one a Hawaii rain one, and I got a, uh, <laughs> you know, because we, we went to Hawaii earlier this year. I thought that'd be a nice callback. See, right? Come on, See? you got to have some. Did type you of mention body. that? Yeah, of did you say, hey, do you recognize the smell? Of course I did, and I'm usually good with cards. Uh, you know, I like to, the good handwritten note and everything. But I'm a big candle guy. I like having candles around. I like uh, testing out oh, different geez, scented sir. candles. So where, what's the candle situation you got? Like are these bedroom candles or they, no, more for the uh, kitchen table in the house. Yeah. Kitchen table, okay. living room, kind of just having them available. Uh, I like to have candles on during dinner more, more for the living space. It's not, it's not so much tantric stuff. I don't want to start a fire in the bedroom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're not dry. There's no hot wax action. Going yeah. On. Cause I've, you know, I'm, a, I'm pretty absent-minded. I forget to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I forget to blow for it sure. out. Uh, no, just a good old-fashioned candle. Also, Carson collects matches, so I'm always looking for matches when we go out for dinner, so different match boxes. Um, 
Which the match the matchbooks are really cool. Like they're great. I think I've gotten I've gotten more into that. Not so much like collecting them, but noticing them more. And I think uh, AJ and the art that he does, and like when he blows them up and puts them in like the prints and stuff like that. I'm always like, man, that's really cool. Like that would be an awesome like golf office thing. Yeah, and, and Carson's got like a big almost like vase full of match books huh. and. They all like different restaurants. It's kind of a lost art. We usually ask every time we go out to, to dinner, and I would say it's less than fifty percent of the time people have matches now, which is kind of a bummer. I mean, nobody smokes anymore. Yeah, no. You think you're going to get matchbooks where you go? You know, people don't even like printing menus anymore. They'd rather. But apparently, that's going away because restaurants are getting bad feedback on the QR codes. But that's that's something for the for the Tron and Randy to monitor. We're not we're not going to touch that right now. So yeah, I think that I just I, well, so I have been accused of this in the past too, which I think is fair feedback. Sometimes I will get a gift like a spa day that Carson's accused me of like, well, you got this for yourself basically. And I'm like, well, you like <laughs> Wait, you like it, massages a and a couple spa yeah, day because I you know okay she wants to spend time with me. I'm like, well, let's do something we both like doing, which is like yeah. going to the spa. But yeah. I'm like, all right, no, like, nothing nothing the Schuster brothers like more than a good rub down for, sure. for sure. Come on, uh, so. I gotta, you know, I gotta be careful about that. That getting accused of a gift f- that is for yourself, basically, kind of like the Dyson situation. Well, no, but she's been saying we need a new vacuum. We need a new vacuum, and I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I, I thought I'd take it upon myself to to do all the research and get the vacuum and get the best one possible. Who's handling the majority of the vacuuming in the household? Is this a, a split fifty fifty? No, it's like eighty twenty, maybe even more. Carson versus me. I mean, she's a big, she gets a lot of joy out of vacuuming. She out there like putting like, uh, you know, fresh mown grass lines in her carpets. Basically. And sure yeah. Everything. <laughs> and and we, we had a dice of like, you know, I think she got one like six years ago and the thing works. It just, you know, the, it's night and day. The suction difference is night and day. Highly yeah, recommend this 100%. vacuum. It's good stuff. Now, some people, I, I talked to some friends, they said the Sharknado, you want to go with the Sharknado, but the Dyson just look cooler. So we got some shark. of it's aesthetic too. Like it's a, it's, there's a lot of, there's something to be said for like a product that you get joy out of using. And I feel like Dyson's, even like the hand dryers, like Dyson's a sweet company. Well, you they're over engineered. Over engineered shit. Yeah. I love that. It's almost like the way I feel about Yeti stuff. I'm like, yeah. yo, no, there's not, this cooler doesn't need to be this good, but it is. And it's sick. And I, yo, I get joy out of using it. Do you know what I'm so excited about the Yeti stuff? Yeti is so confident in their shit. That they're like, we don't even have to make coolers anymore, man. We're just making, like, buckets. Mm-hmm. We're just going to send you guys a fucking bucket that you're going to put your drinks in now. Yeah, they got the wine buckets now. I mean, this, yeah. is, this isn't a Yeti ad, but it's turning into one. But they, they get into the luggage. I don't know. I like uh, the, the moral of the, the story. The luggage is, is sick. I'll say so that. sick. The moral of the story is I like over-engineered stuff. And I sure. think a vacuum was one of those things. It's like, listen, I'm going to classic case of, oh, my God, I'm about to spend this much on a vacuum. It's like, well... You know, you might as well get the best one, and then you don't have to worry about it for like five years. A true buy quality, and you know, don't worry about it, kind of thing. So, anyway, not so. World story is great product. Five stars for my wife. Five stars for me. Not a good birthday gift. Okay, of course. So let's. But you saved it. Learned. But I did save it. Saved it at I the bottom. It. You got it. Hand. And I got her a pack of workout classes. She's been. We've been walking by this one workout place. <laughs> hey, honey, when you're done cleaning, go to the gym. No, 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 no. This is this is. <laughs> We there's a place on uh, in Carroll Gardens we keep passing where she's like I want to try that place out she said like 15 times and so I walked so what's in there the and, establishment 
It's it's called SLT. I think it's strength and length and tone. It's like a bar slash Pilates joint. Okay. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'll just I'll fire up a five pack here. That was not like a subconscious veiled like go get no, in the no. gym thing. And I'm sure the classes are expensive as fuck. So the five pack, yeah, it'll go a long way. Yeah. So and I, actually that one went over really well. Like, oh, that was a true. I think she said that was very thoughtful. I was like, because <laughs> you've been Hell listening. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So good for you, buddy. Yeah. Well, listen, that, this wasn't even on the agenda. Hey, as uh, on the vacuum, before we get out of here, does Sunny attack the vacuum cleaner? Oh, she, no, she's terrified of it. She hates it. Okay, good. Yeah, you know, can't. Cole, uh, the blue healer, he, uh, he, he doesn't like the vacuum cleaner. So literally, you pull it out, and he is just like, like gonna, he goes crazy. Uh, she goes and like, sits like far away, but has to have eyes on the, uh, the alien, basically. It must be the noise. It must be some high-frequency thing that's messing with her ears or something. Yeah. So. God, that was a lot. That's good talk, man. This The 25, uh, you kind of got away pretty easy with the $25 candle, though. I don't know about Well, no, I got, well, no, I got two of them. Candle. I got some artwork, and I got a workout class, and I got a card for me and a card from the dog, okay? <laughs> two thoughtful Did cards. Sonny sign it? Yeah, I wrote a nice, like, note from Sonny. You know, just, we put hey, it all together. I bought a bottle of wine for her and her friends at dinner last night from from a distance. Oh, cool! Yeah, come on, man. I, I, I you know what? I, that's what I said. I kind of flipped it at the bottom. I, I was able to combine a bunch of stuff together. But like, was I prepared this year? No, I wasn't. So I got to get better at that. Schuster, we've been busy, man. We had a of, uh, you know, May. It, it, it's crazy that May's almost done. But uh, last time we talked, I think we're in Austin, coming home from Austin. Can't really remember. Have we done one since then? We did one with KVV. Ah, we did. And phenomenal feedback, too. Yes. I think that was a, a great conversation. Of course, appreciate KVV talking about his experiences, not only going down to Jamaica for the uh, the retreat and getting all psychedelic with it, but also like his personal perspective of it. And since then, I'll say huge congratulations to Mrs. Van Valkenburg, who just graduated uh, with her PhD from Vanderbilt. So Dr. Then Valkenberg, phenomenal stuff going on with them. But I thought it was great. Tremendous feedback, too. Yeah, I thought it was engaging conversation. Well, what's uh, you, you had a little quick trip out to San Francisco. And I think last time you were in the Bay Area, it was for a training exercise. So what, what were your <laughs> thoughts on the Bay this time around? Well, yeah, the last time I was in San Francisco, probably like, uh, I don't know, eight, nine years ago or something like that, we're running surveillance down by like the Golden Gate Bridge and literally up and down through like Chinatown. So I didn't really see much of it. Well, hold on. Which is a sweet story because didn't you start in like Yuma, Arizona and have to like play it, like <laughs> cat and mouse with somebody all the way to San Francisco? Yeah. So it's a big like uh, you have to follow the the client as we call them and uh, as long as you possibly can. So it's multi-mode surveillance where you basically start out in long distance. You have to pick up the client. And my example was we picked him up in Arizona uh, and not by picking him up, meaning like he's getting in my car, but like I spot him getting coming out of an, an airport, follow him through to rental car facility, see him get in his rental car, try to figure out how I'm going to set up my overall like surveillance plan. And for the record, he's a trainee, too. So he's trying to he knows yeah, someone's this is following all training him and he's this trying is, to lose you. Well, he's trying to pick me up. He doesn't know who I am. And if he if he is, he's pulling counter surveillance on me the whole entire time. So eventually, if he spots me and properly identifies me as the guy pulling security or surveillance on him, then like I fail the training exercise. 
which never ended up being the case. Of course, I passed. Um, but it's very, very difficult doing multi-mode surveillance. Multi-mode meaning we're talking about airplanes, we're talking about vehicle, we're talking about trains, we're talking about ground, you know, walking, bicycles, you know, normal fucking planes, trains, automobile shit. It, it was everything. We started in Arizona and ended up finishing in San Francisco with a couple. I, I lost them uh, a couple times throughout the process just because when you're on long drives, specifically through the desert, there's no like terrain that you can really like hide behind and, and make it so like this car can blend in. You're, you're, you don't want to be tailgating the guy and you want to be far enough away. But you also like I had other tools at my disposal i could i i had one of the very early drones that that were hobbyists could buy um that i could pop up and kind of keep an eye on if if when he did stop for the night or stop at gas stations or anything else like that but you don't want to be tailgating him you you definitely don't want to be spotted and it's kind of a delicate balance of being far enough away but close at the same time and and everything else like that and it got kind of crazy once we got into san francisco it ended up culminating in little Chinatown, San Francisco. So that was last time I was there. Like I said, eight, nine years ago, something like that. And I didn't. And you really... won. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was great. Um, and you lose them on like in I five, like on in traffic in L A. Yes, I it was a horrible situation. That's one of the moments. Uh, completely got lost in L A. traffic. There was uh, those interstates were the most lanes I've ever seen in my life. And when you hit rush hour, and you're trying to keep, you know, again keep distance but also be close enough at the same time lanes just naturally move and creep and i was like stuck in la traffic for three and a half hours and for three and a half hours i was like fuck man like i'm gonna lose like i'm gonna fail this because it's training like i'm gonna fail this training exercise and i was feeling like so down and this is at the end of like a long multi-day like 10-day total training exercise this is just one block of it you know if you fail this is, is basically the culmination if you fail this like you you fail the entire course and i'm like fuck man i made it this far i can't believe i'm in fucking like eating on the steering wheel driving around la like you know because you're trying to think and i don't know about you when you're in a car and you're trying to do things like i can't have the radio on i can't have you know, yeah. no podcast or anything because you're like so in the zone like trying to think and like you're taking notes at the same time both like hand or like a, I had like a legal tab you know on my phone taking voice memos and stuff like that because at the end you also have to like write this long report on it like what your surveillance report was and everything that happened yeah I lost him for like three hours and I was so down on myself I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly uh like I was crying because it was like it meant that like that was the next step basically in my career it's like and, the five uh, stages of grief in traffic for sure and like i couldn't believe that like me like this kid from montana is stuck in this fucking la traffic and like i, I hate fucking blew it like, man i blew fuck, it <laughs> fuck all these fucking people like how i like joined the military did not do any of this crazy fucking like la yuppie shit and like now this traffic in la and all these people who don't know how to fucking drive who are so like I remember at the time, like, just seeing, like, random vehicles pulled, like, not even off the side of the interstate. And I'm like, that's why traffic's block, like, blocked up because people couldn't even get off the side of the road properly. Like, just get the fuck out of here. And randomly, honestly, at, like, the lowest of the lows, the guy just randomly appeared right next to me. 
You just rolled up next to him in traffic. I was in lane like four of six or whatever it is, meaning like you always count from uh, the le- the far left hand lane to right, and I was in like f- so four four or six, so like two from the right, and like he randomly was like on that that closest lane on the right and just drove right up next to me and and just kept on motoring, didn't even look at me or anything, and I'm like, oh my god. There so you he basically is. got you got out in front of him and you thought you were way behind him. Yes. Yes. So again, lanes do weird things in rush hour traffic. And naturally, with all the things going on and me trying to avoid not hit people and, and figure out where he is, I thought that, you know, that he was in a lane that got out ahead. And sure as shit, I was the one ahead. He was behind me the entire time. And then naturally just traffic or or who knows if you believe in in spirits that are helping you maybe if you do all the right things and 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 the world is trying to help you out one time that's what it was and you just randomly passed me and you know what's funny about this is you it's coincidentally you told me this story you told dj and i this whole story and and how this training worked two years ago at the charles schwab challenge yeah we were sitting at the bar and we we started cracking up because, and we, we probably should still do this. We were like, what if we sent you out to Denver to just tail Randy, <laughs> Randy and create Randy. a surveillance report of like, Hey, what's Randy doing? Like <laughs> Monday to Friday, just like, let, let's get, let's get a, uh, and then just, <laughs> we could have an it. entire debrief of, yeah, of and just have like hidden cameras of Randy going about his life, going to the coffee shop, <laughs> talking to the barista. I know sneaking he's very- in an afternoon baseball game. He's very much a creature habit. There's probably, there's like four things that the big guy does. I know he does get his gym time in. He goes and gets his coffee almost religiously every morning. And you're right. Like right now he's been taking in a ton of baseball games. So I, I'm sure when Randy's off slack randomly at two, three in the afternoon and nobody knows what he's doing, he's not grinding away on a, on the, the books of the business he's out there <laughs> eating hot dogs why, and, he's, he's, eating peanuts. he's watching a ball game give him a break man that would be sick though i would love to do that but yeah right, it's, sorry, uh, we, it's crazy you, that's back in san francisco <laughs> that's san francisco so we went out there of course uh, i met up with the guys they were on the uh, usga media boondoggle taking private planes from la to san francisco i, or, I thought they ended up flying commercial no, I think the USGA chartered a flight for him to go from LA up to Monterey. How about that? <laughs> Sell out. So I was not on that leg of it, but I met up with them in San Francisco. Of course, showed up a day earlier. You know, was looking for a place to play. And thankfully, Schuster came through, man. A phenomenal. Well, I didn't come through. My guy, Matt Bocci, came through. Well, of course, but it wouldn't have been from uh, without your introdu- introduction. So your good friend, Bocci. Hooked me up, got out for a round at the, the Golf Club of California, Cal Club. The Cal Club, is, which I've still never been to. I need to get out. I haven't been out to San Francisco in a couple of years. I need to make a trip. You need to, I think there's a, there's a lot going on with you, with you out in San Francisco. I think you need to, to make your boys happy. Just go out and give a good weekend. It's a phenomenal golf spot. I mean, I think I want to go. I want to go just do a California, like a San Francisco, like three-day weekend of just golf. I wrote it in the one of the early golfers journals. I think it's the best public golf town in the United States. Like not even close when you start thinking about. It. And then like if you add in the private courses, it's you know probably takes to another level just with proximity to like top tier golf. But between Harding, Presidio, 
You got some good stuff up north, down south. I, I just feel like it's a lot better than New York as far as like public golf goes. Yeah, I, I agree. So we played Harding the next day. Of course, we played with the in the the International Crown Pro Am, and we were very happy to be joined by the commissioner of the LPGA Tour. And it was me, your brother, and and Big, and our our pro that we played with, uh, Maya Stark. She's phenomenal, young uh, Swedish player in her second year on the LPGA Tour. had a had a great, great, great time. But ultimately, after uh, you know, Bocce wasn't able to play golf. Uh, Cal Club, he had one of uh, the other junior members there host me for the day. And then I met with uh, met up with them to watch, uh, you know, Warriors-Lakers game uh, at one of your old stomping grounds. And and it was just awesome to be back in that environment because I, I never, like, really experienced that, to be, like, in a, a home, you, you know, your hometown team is playing in the finals and you're at a local bar with... Well, know, not the finals. They got smoked in the... Well, uh, not the finals, of course, but yeah, this was whatever. Conference championship. Sure. But yeah, it was a great environment to be in. And then, of course, those guys immediately just tearing you up from telling good old old school Columbia stories to, yeah, I even tried to. Of course to, they are. To, what, it, I was, tried to, it was Ross, and, Ross yeah. and Matt, right? I tried to boost you up and say, yeah, but, you know, the kid just completed this half marathon. And, oh, oh my don't tell goodness, Ross that. He's like a competitive that, runner. That set off. A, it was like a. a of something combusted in there. They're like a half marathon. He, he was a, a, this kid was a defensive fucking back. There is no reason why he should have ran the, the, the time that he was. And, but it was, it was awesome. All in good fun, buddy. Well, I mean, but it's good. That's a, a sign for me. Like my college buddies, it doesn't matter. We're all doing different stuff, but like talk about holding each other accountable. A hundred percent. Right, like it, uh, like they all make fun of me. Like I used to dress like such a moron in college. I wear like baggy <laughs> corduroys and like bad Timberland boots and just awful, awful stuff. Yeah, you're from Atlanta, man. That's what you're and, used to. Uh, I, I think either Ross or Jerry said, like, can you guys like if if you asked us in like senior year of college, like of all of us, who would be running a clothing company right now? Like <laughs> Neil would be, he wouldn't even be on the list. He, not in, he wouldn't be last on the list. He wouldn't. Ha, he just wouldn't be included in the list. So it's just. Uh, it's always good to keep around the people that keep you honest, which I appreciate. For sure. Well, how'd you flip your uh, your fashion takes at the bottom then? Because obviously the stuff that you're making now is pretty good. Uh, well, I'd say Tron has a lot to do with it. From the he's he he and I are wired differently as far as from the design perspective. Yeah, but I think that I'm pretty good with the uh, the fun. And let's be honest, like we're not making designer shit right like we're making stuff that that you know people are wearing it because they like the the uh they like the content and Except but the winch the you made that you made a couple tech we got some custom pieces the stuff like the short i think some of it's just like functional stuff like short sleeve rain gear i'm always very proud of that or like the elephant as long as the sizing is right yeah that's as not long as the sizing's right so i don't know it's like makes make good stuff at a good price and you know, people will come back and buy more of it and also partner with people that know how to make it For and sure. don't try to do everything yourself, which this, listen, it's all a work in progress. That's, that's kind of how it, how it goes. Speaking of which, this is a perfect opportunity. We're gonna do a little house ad. So this episode of the trap draw is also presented by the no laying up pro shop. That's Ooh. right. I'm buying up my own inventory, Cody. I'm putting the word out. Not only are we back up, we never left. <laughs> Visit store.nolangup.com to shop our new custom hat collection. We got some new rope hats. We, we made those Suns Up hats, and they 
sold like hotcakes. So now we're doing some more uh, theme designs, custom colorways. We've got like a Mount Rainier themed one. We've got a forest themed one, and we've got a uh, desert themed one uh, with kind of the uh, the the sun in the background. I'm really really proud of these hats and uh, all all terrains that Schuster has conquered in this time. So and don't forget about the new trap draw T-shirts. So we've got mm. some uh, some supermarket inspired T-shirts. Um, so you can visit store.nolangup.com to see that, along with the just general good stuff that H and B's putting out. Uh, we also have some new like a foot joy, a custom foot joy line coming next week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good. So we ship worldwide. Offer free shipping for the U.S. Uh, on orders over a hundred dollars. And if you're a Nest member, you get fifteen percent off all purchases. If you have any issues or you're interested in a large bulk order for a team or organization, shout out to your high school golf team in Montana. That's Cody, right. The Shelby High School Shelby High School Lady Coyotes, Class B state champions last week. Congrats to the girl. And they're all rocking no laying up towels on their way to victory. We like that. Yeah, we like to outfit winners. Uh, like like to grow the game any way we can. So just email pro shop at no laying up. KCRI will be quick to help if you have any issues or you're looking for a big order. Uh, so yeah, and visit store.nolayingup to update your scripting for the 2023 golf season. We work hard to source high quality and stylish apparel, and we appreciate the support of the pro shop and our content. Store.nolayingup.com. Go get involved. What do you think? Love How that. about that for a formal ad read? Put that together last week. That's phenomenal. Hopefully. I don't know. We we did a house ad read on the big pod last week too. Any, uh, uh, you got some good numbers off of it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I was talking, you know, I went on a making media pod and talking about the business stuff. Like we, we're almost so sheepish to like promote our own stuff. We got to get better at it. I feel like this whole world is just like, not only promote our own, like our own merch and our own content, but like, you know, every time I log into Twitter, it's just like somebody doing a thread about how, how fucking sweet their business is. <laughs> and we don't really Yo, look what I did. Dog. And I'm, you know, I'm like pretty proud of what we're building over here. And I think that making media pod is the first time I've maybe dug in in depth outside of like a nest pod. And I was kind of like, ah, man, like in my head, I'm like, nobody, like nobody cares. It just feels like icky to talk about sometimes. But like the feedback was like kind of, kind of wild of like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, this is a real business. We're doing business shit over here, man. You should be proud of that. Yeah, and people like you put out a lot of phenomenal information that I think shocked a lot of people, but also for others, number one question that I get all the fucking time is, yo, man, like I really love golf. I have a passion for golf. Like I want to get in the golf space. Well, that's cool to have a passion. But if you're looking to do like the business side of it, I would say go listen to this fucking podcast and Neil just had. That's the Making Matters podcast. Came making out, like, media. Making media. From the, from the homies at Colossus that do the business breakdown pods. That's right. Came out April 27th. I went and looked it up for you guys. Making media. Neil completely broke down basically our business, how we look at things, why our verticals are stacked the way that they are, and how it kind of all goes together. Well, the other thing is people reach out like, oh, I want to get into golf, and or I want to work in some big corporate job. I want to like work for a startup. The dirty secret is, even though we're working in golf, it doesn't. it's still account management, emails. You're still doing dirty work. You know, yep. I guess the difference is like at least the topic's more interesting. Yeah, we get to travel and play golf. That's great. But if you're not willing to do like the dirty work, then it's not going to be any different at a startup than it is at, you know, I, I guess it feels different when, you, you know, you kind of, it's smaller, 
you own it, you feel like you're making an impact on something, you can see the growth. Like I, I definitely got value out of that when I worked at some software startups, but it doesn't like the, the day-to-day doesn't change much from what you were doing at, at Google when it comes to the actual like business and operation stuff. I mean, you know this, you're, you and I are kind of the account management team over here at Pro Trash Holdings. For sure. The funny joke about like, oh, if you want to play golf, like don't get into the golf business, which is somewhat true. But like we I, f- I feel like we get to play enough golf as it is. But I also know that like what we do is a, a, a lot of work and the account management running the business side of it and keeping up on everything's it's it's not two days. It's going every single day of the week because we got content coming out every single day of the week. We have sponsor reads going out. We got to check back in. We got to provide feedback. We, we're constantly trying to work on a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day calendar trying to forecast shit. Like, it's a lot going on. It's one of those things, again, the aspect of the business that people don't really think that much into. Like, I think they see people flying all over the place and and playing a lot of golf, which I don't think we play that much golf. Which we are doing. I mean, I guess the, the, the true beauty of this job to me is that rarely am I doing the same thing every day. And that was always something I struggled with when I was in sales. It was like, man, I, I'm, you know, it's a true Adam Smith division of labor, capitalism. <laughs> like, you are responsible for outbound sales. Like, that's all we need from you. And like, yeah, that was like a little bit more engaging when I was at a small company instead of like, you know, doing it at Google's like, oh my God, like truly meaning like if I, it doesn't matter like what I'm doing. It's just a lack of purpose. So the fact that the job description, like today we're recording a, a booth pod tomorrow, I got, I'll start writing a newsletter or, you know, we got to talk with, you know, the guys at Omaha and do a kind of a debrief on how the, you know, the, the broadcast thing went last weekend. So it's a lot, there's, you know, you're getting pulled in a lot of directions, which for me, that's like, that's the, that's the juice. I love it. Yeah. But I think that kind of, Definitely, you definitely spin your wheels with that for the first three to six months, though, because it's like you can literally work on anything. So it's like you got to be so good at holding yourself accountable for not. We well, also have thing. like the random creepy crawlies that pop up too. I think we talked about this on one of the shows randomly three weeks ago. Our podcast hosting service just sent us an email and said we're going out of business. We're ceasing operations. You got to be out of here by this date. And we're like, oh shit, man! Like so. We have to find a new hosting service and let, let alone people just think, oh, that's that's easy. You just move RSS feeds over and and get it going. But like we have a really big following and download numbers are really big. And yo, dog, like that costs money. <laughs> yeah. And you can't just like lift and shift and move it all over and expect like the back end and old episodes and everything to continue to work like it's it's a process. And there's always little things like that that are constantly popping up. That's why I love it. Cause it feels like we're just the problem solvers. Something is constantly coming up Sunday. This last Sunday was the largest audience we've ever had for a live show for final round of the PGA championship. Instagram is completely down. So what does that yeah. mean? Oh, for most people like, Oh, this sucks. Instagram is down. I can't refresh my feed to check out either cat dog or like parenting reels or, or funnies, whatever whatever the algorithm has targeted for you on Instagram. Well, for us, that means like we can't notify our audience like, hey, yo, here's the link. This is when we're going live. This is our questions, everything else like that. And that's basically blocking off like a quarter million people who could potentially come and like 
consume our content. And it's a big thing. It's a stressful thing in trying to figure out how do we get through this. Um, it's always interesting. That's why I love it so much. I think naturally that's who I am. And that's what that constantly motivates me that the daily mundane things like we don't really have that. It's constantly something new and you're just kind of pivoting to what the next thing is. Man. That's why I absolutely love. And I think you did a, a great job of highlighting on the podcast. The beauty of it is you're allowed to dictate for yourself. Like this is important. We have, we, you know, and the more you do it, the more you realize like what's fool's gold and what's actually important. You know, at other jobs I've had, it's like someone's telling you, you got to fill out this, you know, fill out these fields in Salesforce. It's like, this is a waste of my fucking time. Yeah. You know, like this is not what I should be spending time on. And so it's nice to just not have to do that. And I, I would think that I don't tell you or Ben or anybody else like to do pointless shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. I mean, but for the most I mean, part, shit's, shit's got to get done. But I, well, everything, some of everything has a reason. Some of it's it. dirty work, but it's always like a, at least explain like this is why we have to do that. A hundred percent. So. Things are things are going well. Things are going well. We're 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 you guys aren't halfway. Yeah, you're not sending us out there and like tasking us with this random thing just to like sit on the sidelines and chuckle about it. Oh, look at these guys. They're out. They're scraping our numbers, and we already have this spreadsheet available. They don't they don't realize it. Ha ha ha. God, that's why it like, sucks no. working with agencies, and you got to yeah. But people do that. Like, I know. And there's there's bosses who are horrible fucking bosses that literally task people just to to stay busy because they don't have anything else for them to do. Yeah, and that's not the way it is here. All right, I want to get to the main event today, Cody. You had a big week last week. Not only live shows and and uh, the ESPN stuff you were helping us out with, but Cody, a, a key expert witness in a federal investigation. A this is from a recent Rolling Stone article, I think, that went out on Monday. The jury in Pennsylvania found former paratrooper Ross Roggio. Roggio or Roggio? I think it's Roggio. Roggio, guilty of 39 different counts. He's, the only, he's only the second American to be convicted of torture. Crazy, right? What the fuck happened? Listen, I'm going to put a couple, uh, <laughs> a couple descriptors and warnings ahead of this story as we go down. First of all, I am not a lawyer. I don't know shit about the law. All right. All I know is that I try not to break it. That's it. So I know there's a lot of lawyers who consume this here content here. If I mess anything up or say anything wrong, I got it. That's not on me. That's not my my field of expertise. And and send in a voicemail. For what's, sure. What's the voicemail number? Voicemail number. It's always open. I got it. 833-330-8725. That's right. 833-330-8725. The listener line is always open. Whatever feedback, please. Lawyers, anyone else, uh, hopefully not members from the Rogio family, but uh, we'll, we'll figure out. Who knows if it'll get there. What I want to start off with is that if people want to find out more information about this, the Rolling Stone did a great initial article came out a couple months ago, like mid-February. It's titled Guns, Grift, and Gore, The Life and Times of an Arms-Dealing Hustler. Inside the strange saga of former paratrooper and pathological liar, Ross Roggio, who federal prosecutors allege was a one-man crime wave. Now listen, I have no clue who Ross Roggio is. I've seen him one time in my life. And that just happened to be last Monday in a federal courthouse in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I have no clue what he did. I don't know any of the actual information of 
of what shenanigans he was up to. But it's a very weird and crazy story because it seems like Mr. Rogio was literally tailgating me in a lot of the locations that I used to go to to conduct operations in my former life. People are sitting here thinking, what do you mean? So basically, Ross Rogio, what he actually did and what he was convicted of is torture. He convinced some Kurdish military officials. So when I talk about Kurdish, I'm talking about Kurdistan in northern Iraq, specifically in the Suleimania area of Iraq. He was hired to go create a weapons manufacturing plant for the Kurds and got paid a shit ton of money to do it. Somewhere along the way, um, his partner, he, he believed, started stealing money from this whole thing. And Ross was worried because production was down. The Kurds were starting to get pretty uppity with him. I'm like, yo, dude, we're like, where's our guns? You're missing all these deadlines. We've paid you a shit ton of money. And Ross took it in his own hands and basically confronted his, his partner, convinced these Kurdish soldiers to detain this guy and basically tortured him um, for like 40 days. I think 39 days is the actual uh, allegation at a facility in outside of Suleimania. The same compound facility that I used to visit daily in at the exact same time that this whole thing was going on and I had no clue that any of this stuff was going on. I, I didn't see anyone else there that had a white face or spoke English besides me and my, and my partners and occasionally a couple uh, State Department or other agency officials who would come and check it out. And this place was like a state, like a former State Department. So building. the compound of interest is a former State Department compound outside of the main city. And and the reason that I know that, and I know that to be true, is because I've met with State Department officials at this compound in the the main Iraq war. So from about 2003, 2004 till about 2010, this was actually the U.S. consulate. The U.S. mission in Suleimania was at this camp where all this happened. And in 2009, 2010, the State Department built a new consulate in downtown Suleimania, and they moved everybody out there. But the camp remained there. And, and I know it's a former American camp because it's still on the side of all the walls and everything else like that. It's still DOS is still spray painted all over the place. And there was actually an MWR board on one of the main buildings there, MWR meaning morale, welfare, and recreation. That is a prolific government program to try to keep people in good spirits when they're deployed. DOS meaning Department of State. It's very clear, but State Department at some point in time when they moved out, they they transferred ownership of this back to the Kurdish Peshmerga because it was on a larger Peshmerga controlled base there in outside of Suleimania. Now, I again, I would go to this place almost every single day and I had no clue that any of this happened. Now, why my history, who's this Ross guy? What what the hell is all of this? So let me tell you a little story. And this is wild because you guys are intertwined in this too. So originally in at the beginning of this month, I have no clue who this guy is or anything else like that. I get a random Twitter message. And we get a lot of DMs on Twitter and on Instagram and random emails and everything else like that. But I get a random Twitter message to my 
personal Twitter account that says, hello, Mr. McBride. My name is whatever. I'm going to say Jeff here. My name is Jeff. I'm a special agent for this organization investigating this guy for activities in Iraq. I would love to grab a couple minutes of your time to talk about this and everything else like this. Honestly, I thought this was spam. I thought this was somebody trying to get me. Delete, delete, delete. I I actually, uh, if you look at the Twitter account, the profile is not a full name. It's another one of these JZ005521. I was like, oh my God, like are are these some live bots trying to get me? Like who knows what the hell's going on? And I honestly, I ignored it for like two days. And the funny thing is, is that I ignored it. Didn't think too much of it. And then what the sender did is went and and gave a, a like a heart on it. So I got another notification on Twitter that, hey, you have a new message. So I'm going through my messages and I see new activity in there. And I'm like, huh. So I read it again. And at the end of it, he he ends the message with, you are not a suspect. We are just looking for someone to help in preparation for this trial. Appreciate your time. Take care and stay safe. And when I reread that, I was like, I'm not a suspect. I'm like, well, that of course, that's like, it sounds very much like I'm a suspect here. That's why you're randomly reaching out. And if it was a government official, like my, my information is still in government roles, not only from like overt stuff, but like, I'm still very much like in a, in a compartmentalized database with all my activities because I used to have. As Booth listeners know, still top, top secret security clearance. Yeah. Well, that's about to run out. So. Uh, hopefully but it hasn't run out yet. It, it has not, but honestly, uh, I don't know if, even if I wanted to go back and do that, I don't know if because of all this media stuff, I don't know if I still would be properly read into to some of the things and all of this stuff is unclassified by the way. And so I replied to the DM and I said, well, now I feel like a suspect exclamation point and didn't really think anything else. I just kept it moving. But what I did is I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to one of our Slack channels And I was like, look at this shit. And I knew that obviously you and and definitely your brother would get a a little rise out of this and be like, what the fuck's going on? So everybody joked, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, Cody, you're a suspect, whatever. Keep it moving. Days go by and I get another DM on LinkedIn. And I do not do a ton of LinkedIn work. Basically, LinkedIn is, is there to check in on my previous life. My, my LinkedIn profile is very military heavy. So I see what all my friends that have retired and everything else. I, I keep track of a lot of the veteran charity work that happens there just because LinkedIn is such a positive space to interact in. Like everything is like people are changing the world over there. If you, if you take a, a big old screenshot of LinkedIn, there's not a lot so of so incredibly stuff. proud. Yes. To everything. So Every once in a while, I'll check in and there's, you know, slowly there's been some golf business people that have added. And I, I like keeping up with with the companies that we work with over there because it's great because, again, because it's so positive, you'll get really good feedback. And, you know, definitely from like Titleist Foot Joy, Akushna does a great job of posting like, hey, you know, their earnings reports and, and what else they're going on new product wise and everything else like that. Uh, it's great. But I get another DM on LinkedIn. And the title of it is Quick Chat. It says, hi, Cody. My team has been trying to reach out to you to see if you have some time for a brief chat to see if you might be able to help us out with an upcoming trial. Please let me know. We'd really appreciate it. Very respectfully, but it's, it's actually VR. So this is a new name. It doesn't match up to the name of the guy who sent me the Twitter DM. 
So again, find it very interesting. But at least this guy sent it from LinkedIn, which you know is like a, you, you know, it's not a bot. So I look at his profile and I see that he's a national security prosecutor and clearly works for the Department of Justice. And I'm like, okay, this obviously is a very real thing. And I know that that something is going on here. But again, I don't really reply. <laughs> I'm like, they obviously, if they, they're that interested in getting a hold of me, they'll, they'll figure it out. In the meantime, this is going on. I fly to San Francisco and I go and I, of course, play at Cal Club. Thanks to Bocce again. We play the next day in the Pro-Am. The following day, Big and I are sticking around the International Crown. We're going to watch some of the action. And I decide early that morning, I decide that I'm going to fly back to Dallas a little bit earlier. Because originally I was going to leave San Francisco at like a 6 o'clock p.m. flight that was going to get me into DFW at like midnight. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's that's crazy late. We've obviously, when, when we're on the road, we try to get the best sleep that we can, but obviously nights become long. I'm out with your friends at the bar. I probably had too many drinks. I'm just feeling like I'm a little hung dog. And I'm like, I just kind of want to go home. So I move my flight up to like a two o'clock departure, check out some golf, go to the airport, get on my plane, going home, think everything's fine, land in DFW, make it uh deboarding and come outside. And uh, I'm, I'm quickly met by a couple of guys in suits and they say, are you Cody McBride? On the jetway. Yeah, like immediately coming out. They're like by, basically by like the little ticketing stand. And I'm like, yep, I am. And they're like, yeah, we've been trying to send you uh, some, some messages. You haven't replied. And I'm like, huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Am I so being detained? Me immediately, like my guard is up. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? My stomach is like up in my throat. I'm nervous because I'm like, anytime somebody like, you know, obviously official looking says something to you. They're like, hey, we just have some questions for you. It's very, very important. Obviously, that's why we're here. I'm like, how do you guys even know that I'm here? Like, oh, we have access to everything. I'm like, ah, but I changed my flight. Like, yeah, well, we know, we know you changed. We caught, we caught it the last second. So I was served papers to officially give a, a, a deposition on all these activities. And I say this because it was fucking scary, man. Like I didn't, I, I, again, I'm going back and I'm like, I have no clue what any of this is about, but I know like, I, I haven't done anything wrong. But again, it's one of those things where you're like trying to think back and I'm like, fuck man, like, is there something that I don't remember or, or people that I know or what the fuck is this? So again, they like reassure me that like I didn't do anything wrong, but also it feels like being served is like a very serious thing. Sure. You have no choice. Exactly. So again, it's, it's late. It's like eight or nine o'clock at night. They're like, okay, go home. We're going to contact you tomorrow to come in for your deposition. So the next morning they contact me very early and I go in and give my my deposition. And uh, where'd you go? Like a field office? Yeah, yep. So I go up to Frisco. To uh, there's a big federal building there with a lot of the agencies work out of. Which is funny because I've I've actually been in this the same exact building before. Again, in my previous life, there was a a, a guy who used to provide a little bit of information that I would go talk to there. So I'd been there before. Very very creepy being there on different circumstances this time, but. Uh, I go there, get it done, 
come back and I immediately, and I'm like, I, you know, I haven't told you guys any of this yet. And I reach out to you and I'm like, yo, dude, like I was pretty, yeah, like, Cody hits shaking me and say, Hey man, I got to talk. You got to be yeah. able to talk. I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? And he's like, yeah, I just got served. You just walk me through everything. You just, just discuss. It's like, huh? I was like, they're probably listening right now. Aren't they? Yeah, for sure. But one, said- one thing that was funny was like one of the guys, wasn't he a golfer? Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, no, I know what you're up to. This that, yep. that golf thing. I'm a big, big fan. You ever, you ever in Philly? Let me know. We'll go out. Yep. So unfortunately, <laughs> didn't get to go to Philly. But but they told me it's like, hey, yep. So the next steps is uh, you're obviously you're gonna you're gonna come be a witness in this trial. And I'm like, oh okay. When is this gonna be? Did you like, ever oh, find out why it was in Scranton? I think that's just like where the federal courthouse is for. I don't know. For it was a federal courthouse in Scranton. I don't know exactly where. Or why okay. that's where it was. Um, so we, uh, I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. I, I clearly, it's not like I can say no to any of this. There's some things that I had to do though. Like, obviously, I had to inform my previous command and figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, so I talked to our the Jags there, the you know the lawyers that we have in the military. And they were completely like, yep, we're, we're tracking. We already are aware of this. And I'm like, well, great. You could have gave me a fucking heads up. Like, this is obviously why, why wouldn't they give you a heads up? Uh, I don't know. They, they're just like, it was one of those things where they're just like, yeah, man, like you're a, you're a civilian now. Like, yeah, we, we knew that like, it's, this is what's going to happen. And basically you know, we're us, busy. Yeah. Us being like, this isn't like a, a military thing anymore. So like you can take care of this and they're like if you need help um let us know but like if you want to take your lawyer or talk to your lawyer like that's fine we'll talk to them as well you're um, a civilian you could probably extrapolate that out to some other stuff hey, you're, yeah you're a civilian but, now deal with it yeah but the other thing is is that like i knew just covering the things that we did like in the deposition that there was things that were going to skirt on activities that are you know still ongoing that I was, I, I talk a lot. I, I talked a lot and told stories on downrange. I tell stories here, but at no point in time do I ever talk about uh, locations or specific activities or really TTPs, tactic techniques or procedures of things that are still ongoing or still in use because I'm never going to jeopardize any of that stuff. So like a lot of people ask me a lot of crazy questions and I'll answer them the best that I can. But if it has anything to do with like activities and operations that are still ongoing, like I'm never going to talk about that. So that was a concern of mine. They sent one of the lawyers up and, and sat like directly behind bench um, and were able to tap, like, you know, tap the shoulders during my, my witness questioning. If there was things that were like outside of the scope of, of that would go into that area. So it was nice to have that kind of little safety net. Anyway, not to get too ahead of ourselves. I say, when is this trial actually going to be? They say, oh, it starts on Monday. I'm like, shit. Of PGA week. Well, of the week prior. So I was like, okay. And they're like, but we don't think that you're going to be, you know, we're not going to call you on the stand during that week. It'll probably be the following week of PGA championship week. And I'm like, well, they're like, is that okay? I'm like, well, actually, no. Like I have a, it's a very busy week for us. We have a lot of things going on. At the time we had just found out that we were actually going to do the, the ESPN plus show. We're trying to coordinate all that stuff and figure out what the fuck's going on. And I'm trying to balance like, you know, I obviously have my normal priorities that I have to do here at no laying up. And I, I don't want to feel like I'm 
I'm dropping the ball anywhere. So they originally tell me, they're like, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday of that week. And I'm like, fuck, man, like you're telling me that this is going to happen during round one of the PGA Championship. I'm like, I have a live show that night. Like I can't be like in the courtroom all day, uh, not paying attention to golf and then like trying to like do what am I going to control the live show from my fucking hotel room that the federal government's paying for? Like, how's that going to work? What ends up happening is that the trial moves a lot faster than they actually expected. They contacted me like on the Friday of that week. And they're like, Hey, we're actually, it's probably looking like Monday. We're going to get you on the stand. Um, So they got me, you know, a hotel and, you know, a ticket up to Scranton, which I've never been to Scranton before. Um, And I flew up that Sunday, which kind of sucks because that Sunday was Mother's Day and I try my best again to be home on weekends and and it was kind of a bummer but they worked with me and they're like yep we got it we're going to try to get the latest flight that we possibly can for you so I was able to get Mother's Day brunch in and everything with with the family so we we had time there but flew up prepared that Sunday night and like a million questions running through my mind of like, okay, so I know what I, I at this point in time, I know what they're going to ask and I know what, what angle we're going down. But then you're like, Neil, like, what do you wear to court if you're going to be a witness? Like, you've never go, been a witness before. No, like, do you go like full suit? Do you go jacket, no tie? Honestly, go, I probably would have worn some like an, a nice NLU quarter zip. <laughs> you know get a little get well, a little no brand awareness maybe the judge either. is a golfer hey what's that logo yeah what are you wearing well that's a funny story that'll come in a little bit later but you know all those things and then you're packing it so you're getting there and like obviously what did you couple, wear i ended up wearing uh you know normal dress pants a, a button-up shirt and a, and a jacket sports jacket you went with your uh private security detail yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and, and put <laughs> you know put all my time in ironing make sure that all the wrinkles were out and everything so it was uh it worked out pretty good but got there prepared tried to sleep and then but at started- this point at this point you've been deposed which in my head it sounds like you were not you're not a suspect you're a key expert witness yes and you real you probably realize this during the deposition right they probably I do. explained yeah. to you like okay the point of this is that like we need you to like establish uh, a bunch of context around the fact that this guy has gone rogue and he's yes. being prosecuted as he's trying to act like he was operating on behalf of the U.S. government. And we're saying that he's just some lone wolf citizen that was trying to build a gun factory for the Kurds. Yeah. Conning them and then decided to torture his partners when the, when the heat was on. That's that's what we're that's where we're at here. A hundred percent. And why like, are you the key witness? Why are you the expert? Well, I'm like one of the. In in like in layman's terms to say it, like I'm one of the, the best, that's weird to say. I know everything that goes on in interrogation based off of the activities that I used to conduct in my previous life. I've also, the majority of the facilities that are used throughout the world that the U S government uses, I've either like I've operated out of, or actually like helped build. So I, I know all of this stuff the ins and outs, so the intricate set, details of all of this. Did they set that up like right when you got on the stand? Yeah, they did. In what way? Like what was the, what was the question? They have to ask you. It's only questions, right? It's like, so Mr. Yep. McBride, you. Well, that's, that's the funny, that's the funny thing. They, they're like, okay, so, uh, you know, you get sworn in and it's very weird because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like the guys, so both uh, attorneys 
are asking you questions, but you also, they're like, oh yeah, these people are asking you questions, but you also have to turn because you're actually talking to the jury. So you're like kind of doing this thing of like swiveling in your chair. So the, the first thing that they say is like, after you're sworn in, sit down, they're like, okay, you know, spell your name and tell us what you do. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm a, so I spell my name and I'm like, yes, I'm a operations officer for a, a media company. And the guy's like, can you expand on that a little bit? I'm like, yes, I'm a, I basically work hand in hand with, uh, with partners and, or, or sponsors of content that we produce and, and work with the content makers to, to make sure that that goes in and out the door and, and everybody is satisfied. Uh, in what space, like what, what type of media? And I'm like, oh, sports media. And they're like, cause I honestly, I don't, I, I didn't want to do anything or bring milling up into this at all. <laughs> and, uh, they ask another they're like sports media, what type of sports media? I'm like, oh, golf media. Like, and, what actually, type of- and actually a non-golf podcast as well <laughs> yeah. called the Trap Draw. Yeah, they're like, what, what, type of, what type of golf media? I'm like, oh, the company is called No Laying Up. And we focus on professional golf, amateur golf, and regular people who play golf and enjoy it uh, for a living. Did you Great. see it? Was any of the jury like... There was a guy that was wearing a uh, Pine Valley polo, and he immediately was like, <laughs> "Hell yeah!" Shaking his head right. up oh, I know you. I remember I was like, you. I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, <laughs> which is weird because you know you're looking at the jurors and you're like trying, you know, you're trying to size them up, and it was very diverse group of men, women, people from different color background, you name it, and uh, it was just so funny <laughs> talking about. No laying up, and then immediately, like the next question was uh, establishing my my bona fides for for <laughs> interrogations and torture. I was like, "What a world that I've created for myself!" But the guy later on in cross examination, he called me a blogger, and he did it to intentionally try to like dig at me. I'm like, "I'm not a blogger. <laughs> like, I don't write anything. Like, I struggle writing like." The podcast, but we are, yeah, we are reheating our written content. We we are. You can check that out. We put out some really good stuff. You should check out NoLangUp.com if you're interested. Yeah, we actually have an editorial director now too. I'm not (laughs) writing it, but we have it. If you if you'd like to see it, but it was so funny. That was one of the digs that uh, his lawyer was he trying to to, was he trying to do that to like establish like that you weren't credible? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean that's their job, right? They they try to punch holes in everything, and. (laughs) <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, yeah, I'm not a blogger. Anyway, so the question goes on. And, and after they established that, yes, I am I am that dipshit from No Laying Up that, <laughs> that talks on, on podcasts and produces live shows, they get into it. And I talk about my background and, and you know, locations that I've gone, a uh, number of interrogations that I've, I've done and seen. And of course, they ask, like, have I ever tortured anybody? Is no, like, this is my background, my experience of you know, and things that are in place. Like if you look at my record, because the government does keep records of, of things and allegations and stuff. And I'm very, very clean. There's never anything that's come up. And there's, there's things that I've witnessed and and saw of of people that have, I've eventually come into my, my custody for questioning and and I've raised a red flag and, and called other people out on bullshit that I, that could have potentially crossed that line before. So I'm definitely like a good guy in this whole thing. So they set it up and we talk a lot about this compound and the layout of it. And they actually, uh, I do a little bit of what's called map tracking. So they pull up Google Earth and I'm showing them all around the city of Sulemania and then pinpointing locations and everything else like that. 
and then uh, we're going on and on and on asking a bunch of different questions. And then finally we get to uh, cross-examination and they, they, the first zinger that the guy asks is, uh, you know, he, he calls me a blogger and all this stuff. And then he goes into my background and honestly, I felt so, so bad for this lawyer because you could tell that he has no, like he does not know anything about the military. He does not know anything about overseas operations. He doesn't know anything really about interrogation or, or things of that nature, just strictly by his questions. There was, there was multiple times where he would ask a pretty bad question and I would ask like him to repeat it. And he would come back with a question like, just doesn't make any sense. And I would be like, I'm sorry, but like, that doesn't make any any sense at all like can you rephrase it and it got like pretty like combative at times just because he like it it just what he was trying to do for his client obviously is prove that that he was hired by like he, he's trying to claim that like the cia hired him to do this and he was doing it on behalf of like the u.s government which this is like it's it's impossible for him to do that and then they got really deep on like the actual compound and him trying to pull out you know poke holes and how I know that this is a former like state department and I'm like going over like the spray paint and everything. And then he's like, but you don't know that like, you don't, you, anybody could spray paint that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like, you know, there's also like serial numbers on everything that still is like DOS 10 tack, whatever. So and the then he's like digging himself into hole after hole for sure. And then he's like, well, you don't, you don't know that, you know, anybody can, you can, you can fabricate that stuff too. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I've been there with like meetings with state department officials and then like us joking about how shitty of a camp it is. And like no upkeep has been done since like 2009 on it because they were there. Like they used to serve there and like all this stuff. And then like the final nail in the coffin is like me on the compound specifically is like, Basically, like any U.S. compound that you go to across the world, what do you think like the the highest flag that's flying on that compound is? The United States flag, of course. What flag do you think was flying at this compound? The Kurdish flag, exactly. So it, it's it's very easy, and the, the shitty thing for him from Google Earth, you could actually identify that like there's no American flag there. You could see the flagpoles, obviously, because it's U.S. base. We're very proud of everywhere we go. There's going to be flagpoles, and like there's no U.S. flag there. So was he trying to? So two things. One, the prosecution was trying to establish like you were an expert witness in like this is this was a u.s base and here is the whole layout and here's here's where it is now and just providing a ton of context on like you know this used to be a u.s base but it's not and what he was trying to argue is like this is a cia black site or something yes exactly right It's, it's still being used by the u.s government and this guy ross was working on behalf of the u.s government in a non-official coverage capacity like <laughs> yes okay. all the movies that you could possibly think of they basically thought oh no he is like he's not like jason Bourne, but he's like a guy that would help jason Bourne. like somebody tasked him to do this from from the agency and it's like that's just not how anything works <laughs> at all like that's not like just Listen, man, let me just tell you, it's not like that, okay? I'll say this, like, the, the there's multiple <laughs> faults. There's multiple faults within the United States government. That's very, very well-known, established. When it comes to intelligence activities that the United States government conducts, it's one of the most scrutinized aspects that our representatives in Washington, D.C., like, that's why there's multiple 
you know, all these oversight committees that literally have to approve one by one because of how sensitive these things are, because it's not just intelligence, it feeds into relationships that we have with all these other foreign countries. And it's like a massive spider web. It's, it's crazy. And then specifically, like, this has been locked down. John McCain Act was signed, obviously armchaired by John McCain and uh, Dianne Feinstein that took and all the horrors that you hear about interrogations and tortures and CIA, like CIA is not allowed to conduct interrogations anymore. It is illegal for them to conduct interrogations. They do not have an interrogation program anymore. So there's when I like talk about things that I used to do, like obviously all of it were approved Department of Defense missions and operations, but there is also like you're helping other government entities as well at times. God, that's, but that's so why. sick. So basically, the federal prosecutor's like, man, we'd love to get some DOD guy, but I'm sure the DOD's like, well, you can't like bring in an active interrogator to be your expert witness. Or if you do, there's going to be a bunch of red tape. They're like, yo, check it out. There's that guy doing that golf thing that used to be like the dude. <laughs> that fucking blogger, man. We could get that guy that's, yeah, he's like fighting off the horny bots on those live shows. <laughs> Let's go get that guy because now he's a private citizen. We could subpoena him. Basically. And so and again, my last I'll go question, back to my last, there's only, there's in the history of like, you know, in the last 20 years. So in the war and terror era, there's only 25 of me in, in total of all these the locations and things that were specific to this. Like there's only three of me. There's me and two other people who could possibly speak yeah. to the level of this. And the other two are still active, which is probably just tons of red tape and, and cooks in the kitchen. Yes. So my last question is, and if you want to read about it, the Rolling Stone stuff is, was very insightful laying out the timeline on this guy and, and he did get convicted. So like, it seems like very quickly. Uh, yeah. It, I think they took a uh, like total of five hours to come back with. I can't remember what the total rap sheet uh, is. 39 different counts. That's, that's and, not good. And only the second s- American to be convicted of torture. So uh, that's this my guy's question, a really, why, really, really bad dude. Why? This feels like a massive, un, like, seems like the U.S. government poured a lot of resources into doing that. Like, what's the, what, why? What, what, why was this a priority for the Department of Justice? Number one, this is, like, such a rare thing. You do not see, like, rogue citizens across the world, like, doing shit like this, thinking that they're, like, fucking James Bond out doing their own operations and stuff like that. But... More recently, in the last, you know, five to eight years, you have all of these private citizens leaving the United States to go join foreign militaries. So a lot of them doing it because they think they're doing it for the greater good. So it's it first started and I started seeing this pop up with Americans going and joining the Kurdish Peshmerga or the the Syrian military to to help support them because of either family ties or or just because they thought they're doing it on their own. You see that more now with people, you know, in the last two, three years going over to Ukraine, joining their foreign military and doing all these things. But they have they have to realize they're still American citizens and there's still laws that govern American citizens. And just because they think that all this stuff's happening in a foreign land, like there's still there's still people to answer to for that. Does that make any sense? That's no, why that makes a ton of sense, I think. So it's almost like trying to set a precedent of like maybe does the department of justice feels like this is going to, this is a horrible look for the U S if people think that 
private citizens are acting on behalf of the U.S. government. And you said, like, yeah, a lot of faults with U.S. foreign policy, but, like, you're saying one of the things that they've got buttoned up is, like, intelligence and, like, this tip of the spear stuff. 100%. And, like, dude, there's so many conspiracy theories that are out there already that people honestly think that the CIA do, like, this crazy, magical shit all over the world every single day. It's not that at all. Like, actually, some of them are, like, there's a lot of good people that work for the agency, but, like, the vast majority of it is shit that, like, it's it's dumb, dumb work. Like, they're not, like, overthrowing governments and being, like, super secret spies everywhere. Like, that's just not the way it is. Luke's aren't, aren't, aren't doing what they used to. Exactly. Exactly. So this guy, he'll get, uh, I think he's going to be sentenced later this year. I think October, or excuse me, September or October, he'll actually be get his sentence. Um, but it, it's been a long, long, crazy journey for him. And he's he's changed his legal team multiple, multiple times. He's turned down a bunch of different deals that potentially like he probably should have gotten because they're going to throw the book at him. And, and obviously, just by the way that this trial went, it was obviously over pretty quick. But again, bad, bad dude. Was he grilling you like shooting lasers through you? No, honestly, he was like leaning back in his chair, like head up, you know, nose up in the air, like, uh, oh, this isn't, this isn't nothing. This is all bullshit. Damn. All right. So well, listen, I got to go move my car. Classic <laughs> New York situation. It's street cleaning day. But I, I think we cut it there almost. We went about 90 minutes today. So listen, we said it earlier that that, that listener line is open. Send us, you know, if you've got any questions for the expert witness, send them in and uh, we'll be back at you next month. What a story. Hopefully this month is a lot easier than, than this last month has been. Look, you know, the NLUHR understands when people have jury duty or need to be expert witnesses. <laughs> like we, we have redundancies in place to, uh, to, to manage that. I love it. Thanks, Neil. All right. Good stuff, Cody. See ya. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who